Welcome to episode 69 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. Uh, you know, usually 69 is a pretty good number. It's uh, something that everybody loves. Uh, you know, 69 is a favorite number of a lot of people. But I uh, hate to hate to say that this would not be an entertaining or a, a polite episode for you Bama fans out there. You know, look, I'm going to try my hardest to, to say positive things about the Tide. And, you know, all in all, we have to remember you did win the game. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for an optimistic Alabama podcast, you might want to hit the exit button real quick. And I'm not trying to d- deter people away from the Gump Runners podcast, but, you know, we call it like we see it here. And, and if you don't think there's serious issues with this football team, then I don't know what to tell you. Um Alabama beating Texas 20 to 19 field goal by Will Reichard, 10 seconds left. Bryce Sean doing a great job in the fourth quarter, three consecutive drives after six straight punts, three consecutive drives, getting Alabama inside the, the 40 yard line. Um, had a botch play on a fourth and one. We'll get into all that. Um, J law going to start with you, brother. Um, Alabama's offense. We, if you listened to us last week, we told you that Alabama last year really struggled on the road. You know, you take you take away the the Mississippi State game where Alabama won forty nine to nine. That was the week after Alabama got beat by Texas A and M. They could have played the Rams or the Bills and beat them that week. I mean, you got a pissed off, regrouped Alabama team. I feel really sorry for you know Lamo coming in uh, to Bryant Denny this week, but you know. Miss State caught hands, of course. Plus, you know, they're one-dimensional. Um, Alabama's beat them like 100 to 10 the last two years they played them. But you take away that game, you beat Florida by two. You know, you get up on 21 nothing. You go into a shell offensively. You can't stop a nosebleed on defense. You end up winning by two. Uh, you know, Texas A&M, of course, you lose. Uh, there were some special teams mistakes, defensive busts, whatever, but also, you know, bad offensive calls inside the five-yard line, you throw an interception, and then, you know, you got the Iron Bowl. Alabama's favored by over three touchdowns. Yeah, it takes you four overtimes. You know, you don't even score until the last 30 seconds of the game um, in regulation. Then you go into overtime, you win by two. So, a lot of luck coming for Alabama on the road last year and their two tight wins. And then, of course, you know, a lot of bad luck in the loss. And so we told you last week that we were going to be – look. you had to show me. You know, we had confidence in the Tide, sure, but you had to show me that you were, a, that you were going to be a better team in 2022 on the road, and they did not. Um, they completely laid an egg for a majority of the game offensively. Uh, you know, is it wide receiver talent? Is it scheme? Offensive coordinator, receivers coach, offensive line coach. You know, a lot of people use Doug Marone as a scapegoat in the preseason. You know, they were talking about a refocused offensive line, better schemes up front, uh, better blocking assignments. So, obviously, that's not true. That didn't happen. So, J-Law, start where you want to. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. We'll, we'll cover defense later, but offense what everybody wants to hear. They want to hear our opinions on it. I've had so many people contact me. Hey, man, what you know? What, what happened? What do we look? And I'm just like, dude, it's too long to text. 
I don't have time to explain it to you in a 15, 20 minute phone conversation. Just listen to the podcast. I said, we're going to record it early this week. We decided not to wait. Usually we, uh, we uh, record on Wednesday nights, release it Thursday. We're like, oh, this is fresh in our mind and fresh on everybody's mind. Let's go ahead and do this Monday night. We'll release it Tuesday. So, JL, I'll start with the offensive side of the ball. The floor is yours. Go. How can you watch Alabama from 2014 with Blake Sims, who we didn't even think could throw a football? He was until, a running back. I mean, and played defense for a year. Had no idea. All right, you bring in Kiffin. Offense explodes. You roll through a freshman year of Jalen Hurts. Still not sure he can throw a football. I mean, this you've lighted up. You've had Jake Coker. Everybody from few and far in between, you've had the best and the worst, really to me, quarterbacks in the Alabama under Nick Saban come through since 2014. And you have the best quarterback in Alabama football history. And you go 40 minutes in a game, a stretch of 40 minutes in a game against a Big 12 defense. And it's not that you just can't score for 40 minutes. You have five consecutive three and outs, six straight punts with the best quarterback we've ever had, with receiver talent. And listen, we're going to get, I'll, I'll get to Holman Wiggins in a minute, but receiver talent, Jermaine Burton, consensus top 60 overall player coming out of high school. Georgia's wide receiver one transfers to Alabama to be in an NFL type offense with a quarterback who can get him the football to get his draft stop to go up. All of this going on. How can you watch everything that's happened from Alabama from 14 to 2020, the year that Sark won the Natty, and watch the last 17 games of Alabama football on offense and think this is okay? And it was fun to bitch about it on Sunday. And until Nick Saban's presser today at noon, it was fun. We were going back and forth. It's frustrating. Fire Bill O'Brien this, fire Bill O'Brien that. But for the key to me was today, Saban comes out in his presser and says, Texas defense did everything we expected them to do, essentially nothing more, nothing less. And that's your game plan. That's your scheme. That's what you come out doing. The same old stuff that you've put on tape for the, pro the previous 16 games that everybody that we've played at on the road has stopped. Every single team that we've gone to on the road outside of Mississippi State. And that was, quite frankly, more of a struggle than most people want to believe it was. Jordan Battle had a pick six to kind of move some things along for us in that football game. You, That is what you draw up after, guys. The last time we played a real game was on January the 10th. We played that game on September, what, the 9th, September 10th. You do all of that. You have nine months to prepare for that game, and you run the exact same stuff that you've been running for the prior 16 games. That quite was good when you're playing inferior opponents. We've seen it, especially at home. But that, that to me, that is just the best killer. You know what they're going to do. This is the this is the plan that Bill O'Brien thought was a quality plan to come in on the road and win a football game in a hostile environment where you can't afford to go 40 minutes without scoring. Thank God Quinn Ewers is hurt because we'd be talking about a much different problem right now. Pete Golding would have gotten 40 put on him. Bill O'Brien would have scored 20, and Alabama gets their ass kicked on the road by 20 points on the road at a Big 12 school where we should be scoring 45, 50 points of our own. 
So thank God that Dallas Turner hit Quinn Ewers and knocked him out of the game, or we'd be talking about something completely different. But something's got to change about this offense. The NFL grinded out scheme where every every NFL game is within two possessions, it feels like, with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Last year was the best season in NFL history as far as one-possession games. It had the highest um, percentage of one-possession games in NFL history. That's cool. Everybody has NFL talent in the NFL. It's not like that at Alabama. Texas had four guys that could play for our team. One of them is the receiver. One of them is the running back. One of them is probably the middle linebacker, especially considering how piss poorly Henry Toa Toa played in this game. And I would almost even give you their tight end, at least the way that Steve Sarkeesian used them. So not many other guys on that team could play on our team. That's a team you got to go out, score your points early, silence the crowd, figure out a way to run the football, and put an end to the game. And Alabama hasn't been able to put an end to a road game outside of Mississippi State. And, you know, that's not a hostile environment. That's not – that's not – Baton Rouge, that's not Knoxville. That's not the places that Alabama is going to go this year and where Alabama will go this year and struggle if they don't get it figured out. And people are blaming the receivers. You know what? I'm not sold on Holden Wiggins anymore. He's one of Saban's favorite assistants. The guy inherited Judy, Waddle, Smith, and Ruggs at Alabama. What what is what is anybody that Holman Wiggins has recruited and coached done outside of Jamison Williams? Does that count? He just ran as fast as he could and ran by everybody last year. I think Holman Wiggins has something to prove with a piss poor receiver play that we really saw last year from the most talented group of wide receivers that we've ever recruited in the same class. That's what the previous year was with the Jai Hall, Ja'Cory Brooks, JoJo Earl, and Christian Leary, four top 70 overall receivers. You bring in this class, they can't catch. Kobe Prentice can't run the right routes. He can't sit down in the zone when he's supposed to. It takes forever to get Ja'Cory Brooks on the field and throw him the ball. There's a lot going on in this offense. I'm not sure it's the O-line. I thought they actually kind of played okay. The play calling's not doing the guys any favors to me. Something's got to change. It's bad. Alabama's going to win their games at home. They'll beat Auburn at home. They're going to struggle in some of their home games. But this team right now, as it sits with the game planning and the piss-poor play calling that we've seen for the last road, every road game since Bill O'Brien's essentially been the coordinator, you're, you're going to struggle at A&M because they're going to sell out to beat you, especially considering what just happened to them. Tennessee might score 40 on Pete. God, he's awful. This is supposed to be the best defense we've seen under Saban. He's horrible. Um, so I don't know, man. It's, it, something's got to change. You got three weeks to figure it out, and I don't think Saban's going to change anything. So it could be one of those head scratcher years. Lester, when you look at Alabama's offense, you know you really struggled to run the ball. And coming into this game last week, I had heard that was the biggest mismatch for, that Texas had was their defensive line against Alabama's offensive line. Um, uh, a lot of people, including me, thought that you could really control this game on the ground. Uh, Jason McClellan did bust one for 81 yards. That was a huge play uh, to go up 10-3 there in the first quarter. Um, Bryce scrambled for 38, 40 yards of his own. If you take away those yards, um, you know, and I know, I mean, you know, they count in, in, in the stat book, which is great. But if you do take those away, then – you run for as a team for 42 yards. Uh, and it seemed like, you know, a lot of the stuff was that same Brian Robinson pull a guard, go in between the guards and try to get three yards in a cloud of dust crap that he did last year. 
that we thought was gone. You know, Utah State really didn't run that those kind of plays a ton. We ran a lot more zone stuff. And uh, I don't know if he thought that he could get a really good interior push, especially with Kendall Randolph, who's a buck 80, um, who got replaced in the game by Javion Cohen. If I never see Kendall Randolph again, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. Uh, I, I said in previous podcasts, I think it's bullshit what Saban did to Javion Cohen. I don't agree with it at all. He, he's such a mental health guy. He's been preaching that for 25 years with his team and his players. One of his players is having trouble mentally. He comes to him. He gets himself checked into rehab. He's trying to better himself. And what do you do? You take the kid's starting job. Kid that started every single game for you last year and was very good. Um, he's not first-round talent, but he was very serviceable there at left guard. Then you put in a guy who's been there seven years. He's swapped back and forth between tight end and, and offensive line. Uh, can't play tackle. Can't play guard. J-Law said it last week. He looks like he's 210 pounds. Um, and so you finally, you know, in a hostile road environment, playing in front of over 100,000 people, uh, you put Cohen back in the game, I think it was maybe midway through the second quarter, towards the end of the second quarter. Uh, you just make that switch like it's going to be easy. I mean, it, it's not. This guy hasn't practiced with the first team. I, too, I told you guys all through camp, Kendall Randolph was getting every single rep with the ones. Um, and so Cohen hasn't gotten any reps with these with the with the other four. Uh, Dow Court still terrible, but um, you know Lester, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I just went blank. I kind of went on a little rant of my own, but let me just—I forgot the exact question I was going to ask you. I apologize for that, but let me just do the same thing with J Law. If there's anything you want to add or harp on some more, because this guy deserves it. Like Bill O'Brien. You know, the excuses have run out and time's run out. You've had 17 games like J-Law mentioned. Lester, give me your synopsis of the offense that you saw Saturday from Bill O'Brien and, you know, offensive line play, whatever it was that, that really pissed you off. Yeah, I, I think we've said before, if you well, – as we were talking earlier, if you watch the NFL or if you play Madden, that is Bill O'Brien's offense. Ace format, shotgun with the two backs, just basic, simple stuff. Now, at Alabama, we have the best athletes, the best players, the best teams, yada, yada, yada. Yes. So Saban and BLB, they just have this mindset of, we have the best players, we should be able to line up and beat people, right? No matter what. No, that's not the case. And, well, Okay, it is the case, but that gap between having the best teams, the best players, yada, yada, is shrinking. Alabama is not the end-all, be-all in college football anymore. That's not taken away from Saban or, you know, Bama. There's no doubt in mind that they're the best team in the country, but that gap between one, two, three, it's shrunk, you know? And if you are not on your A game, you will get your ass beat. It will happen. It can happen. We saw it all up and down college football on Saturday. And my biggest gripe is Saban and BLB do nothing to help the greatest players assembled in college football. They do nothing to help them at all. The scheme is shit. The play calling is shit. The design is shit. It is all bad. And let alone that, we've talked about for years how Saban on the road, what's he going to do? Play conservative, 
not do anything too crazy and try to put it in his pocket, run the clock out and take their, you know, Delta jet, get their ass back to Tuscaloosa. That's, and that's horseshit. Like it's not right because they, they are doing the team a disservice. You know, think about those kids. So this is Bill O'Brien's second year at Alabama. And you got to think about what you're recruited by Bama, what, 10th, 11th grade year? What did those kids grow up watching? They grew up watching Sark. They grew up watching Kiffin and their offenses. And think about poor Bryce. Oh, my gosh. You get a year under Sark's offense. He leaves, and they bring in this guy, Bill O'Brien, and what the hell are we running? Would you not be pissed? I would be. I would be. If I'm watching Alabama throw 50 a game with these cool play, play designs, you know, doing whatever you can to get your best players in space. Look, when Smitty was here, you knew he was getting the damn ball and there was nothing you can do about it because there was designs and schemes to get him open Double, single, triple coverage, it didn't matter. They were going to do something, anything to help out that player. And in a lesser wide receiver room than what they had, they're not doing anything to help these guys out. Yeah, sure. Talented, yes. The most talented, I don't know about that, but they're up there for sure. But when you do nothing to help these guys out on the road, 100 and whatever degrees outside, you know, hostile environment, things get a little tipped the other way. You know what I mean? Things get balanced out. And stuff like that allows you to get your tail beat. And Bama is lucky to come out there with a W um Saturday afternoon. But doesn't don't it make you doesn't it make you guys more frustrated that you Sark has inferior talent to us. Inferior. Yep. He has two guys outside of B. John Robinson and nobody stops a best run the a team's best guy better than Nick Saban. Like, they stopped B. John Robinson. He made one big catch out of the backfield, a couple catches out of the backfield. Didn't when Dallas ball. Turner was covering him, what the hell? Awful. Horrible. We'll get into that later. Jeez. But, like, you know Steve Sarkeesian has less talent than you on offense. Your defense is more talented than his offense, and he is still finding a way to cook you. They converted at least four first downs on two routes versus seven defenders, four. Went back and watched it this afternoon. Four times in this game, I don't think any of them were on first down play action. They were second and long, third and sixes. Two-man two routes in Sark's offense getting open against seven DBs, whether it's moving Ewers or I guess it was Ewers at that point a couple of times. It was Hudson Card moving the pocket a little bit for him. Tight end comes across the formation, blows up the pass rush, gives him a little bit more time. It's just frustrating to know, and I told you guys that was going to happen, that Pete Golding in his best day could not stop Steve Sarkeesian on his worst day. And Stark, with inferior talent, came out there and cooked our ass when we have superior talent on offense, and we went 40 minutes, guys, without even moving the ball. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, everybody says, and it's true, that Saban's what's made Saban great is his ability to adapt with the college game. And when he hired B.O.B., he took us maybe not one step back, maybe took a couple of steps back because he was, you know, he, he didn't like the, the hurry up, no huddle. Then, you know, he implemented that. And he went and got Kiffin. He didn't like the spread. So he goes and gets Kiffin. He finally gave in and he learned all about it. He let Kiffin go and, 
you know, Kiffin broke records with Blake Sims and, you know, Derek Henry. And he, he adjusted so well to his players. That's what's so frustrating is that Kiffin, you know, in 2015, he has Jake Coker, an immobile quarterback, sitting duck in the pocket. So he would go match protect, get Calvin Ridley in one-on-one situations downfield behind the defense, throw the deep ball. He he ran the ball to perfection with Derrick Henry, um, did all kind of creative ways to get him good looks running the ball. And then the very next year, you know, Coker graduates, and then he's got a true freshman in Jalen Hurts who really struggles throwing. And he he just he sets more records. You know, Jalen was like SEC player of the year as a true freshman. Um, you know, quarterback runs, speed sweets with our Darius Stewart using his speed. Uh, you know, Damian Harris uh, having a lot of breakaway runs right up the middle because you had to worry about Jalen. And you just, just adapting to your players and scheming for them like Lester was talking about. Sart did the, a, a great job with Smitty and Najee Harris doing the same thing. And yet here comes Bill O'Brien and he can't find a way to get anybody open. He didn't Oh, he did a good job last year with Jameson Williams. But this year, when you don't have that guy, just the struggle is real. And I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say our receiver room is bad. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of things that went around the message boards, my dad sent me something about, and uh, Landon uh, Beeman has been a guest on this podcast. He sent me some stuff about, you know, whenever you're stacked uh, in those in those stacked formations, those triangles that we run, it takes a while for you to get out of your breaks and into your routes because you're trying to create rubs, you're trying to create create confusion um, in the in the middle half of their defense. But that takes a lot of time to develop. And when you've got an offensive line that's average at best in pass pro, um, you, you can't do that. You've got to adapt to what you have. And Alabama right now has a superior quarterback, a very, very good running back that can get it done, or two running backs that can get it done catching the ball and running the ball. Um, you saw what a factor Jameer Gibbs was catching the ball out of the backfield. And I think he's a good runner as well. I just don't think he's getting any help with the play call. And he's not an in-between-the-guards runner. You got to get the dude on the edge. You got to do a better job of sealing the edge. You saw, you know, Latham seal the edge perfectly on the, on the long run. But your routes that you're running are time-consuming routes. And you, they, you're, you start tight to the line of scrimmage. That allows the defense – to be able to disguise their blitzes a lot better because their DBs are already up at the line of scrimmage. They don't have to show it. And, you know, when you really spread the ball out, this is one thing I harped on. When you spread the ball out, you cannot hide a blitz. You, if, if you've got guys spread out 45 yards across the field and there's a lot of grass in between everybody, as a defense, you can't afford to show a blitz early. And whenever you do blitz at the snap of the ball, you got a lot longer to go. You got more ground to cover. Now, your middle linebacker can blitz, sure, but he's right there. You can pick that up. You know, you're usually going to have three or four down linemen, and then you can see that and pick him up a lot easier. But it's hard to bring a corner or a safety or whoever or multiple linebackers whenever you're in a four-wide, five-wide scheme. And, you know, I did some homework on Sunday night when I got home. And I sent this to you guys who told you guys I was going to bring it up. You know, when there's 10 or 11 personnel that's not tight, and what that means is 11 personnel means you got a tight end in the game. But, you know, B.O.B. loves to run the tight end in the slot. Uh, whenever his hand is not in the dirt, this is just in the fourth quarter. 
This is what happened whenever we were in those formations. These are the plays we ran. These are or these are the results of the plays we ran. You had a seven-yard pass, 17-yard pass, seven-yard touchdown pass, 11-yard pass, 21-yard pass, eight-yard pass, four-yard pass, eight-yard pass, 21-yard pass, five-yard pass, five-yard pass, a 20-yard scramble, back-to-back incompletions. This is right before the field goal. And then the last three-yard pass to Ja'Cory right there on the sidelines before you get the field goal. So, Bryce, in the fourth quarter, whenever your 10 or 11 personnel was 12 out of 14, 117 yards, one touchdown, 20 yards rushing. He completed passes to Prentice, Burton, Latu, Gibbs, and Brooks. So you're throwing to multiple guys. You're spreading everything out. Bill O'Brien's paid $1.1 million a year. Nick Saban's making what this year, J-Law? 10, 11, 12? What's he up to this year? I think this year's like nine. but it's Nine. Nine million dollars. So between those two, you got over 10 milli. How come I can cut this game on YouTube and watch it and see? And I told you guys live after the game, I was like, did it seem like we were having more success whenever we spread it out there at the end? And I was right. I could see it live. What's it going to take for him to, to change and to realize that, hey, that's what we have to do. Because this isn't a problem that, that started against Texas, J-Law. This, this is something we saw last year. Hey, you got to spread it out. you got to throw it. you got an all-time quarterback, probably top 10 college quarterback to ever play the game, and you're ruining him by, these, by having these stack formations and these tight formations where it's easy to get pressure on him. Yeah, and not only that is when you're bringing everybody close to the lines, making it harder for Bryce to see who is and who's not blitzing, you're doing the defense a favor. If you already have a somewhat weak offensive line, you brought everybody in tight, you're going to confuse the offense a little bit. You're going to make it harder for the receivers or anybody or tight ends going out for a route to rub off of each other. It's going to take a little longer to develop. And you just got to play to your team's strength. So if you don't think this is the best receiving group in Alabama history, or if you think your offensive line might struggle a tad, Man, make it easy on the quarterback to know who's coming. Make it easy on the offensive line by drawing up and scheming up plays to the for the receivers to get open quickly. We got to lose the little bubble screen twice, twice on Saturday. We ran a wide receiver screen with a safety, a corner, and a linebacker running towards the screen. So essentially, you have one blocker, a receiver, and three defenders coming. You're not going to win that battle ever. So multiple possessions, Alabama ran that, and it was three versus one blocking, and it just sets you back behind the sticks. So there's just some things that we're doing that aren't making any sense. There's some things you got to leave in the past and leave in this game and not do it anymore. But to me, it's all about the OC. You're watching Kiffin, who has inferior talent at Ole Miss compared to Alabama, who's playing the same teams that we're playing in our same division of our conference, find ways to get inferior talent open, drawing up plays to get inferior receivers open. And we are struggling. We're banging our heads against the wall, doing the same old stuff, and we're expecting a different result. And it just doesn't make any sense. After you go back and watch it, if, you, if you're listening, it's on Tuesday, pull it up on YouTube. I think you can watch the game in like 17 minutes on YouTube. Like, I mean, just pull it up, watch it. It's the same game that we played again at home against LSU. It's the same game that we played on the road against A&M. Tennessee at home for the first three quarters. It's the same ball game, and it doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, and of course, you know, when, when you say inferior talent, you're talking about compared to Alabama because like, we know Texas has good players. Like, yeah, only – but like you said, only maybe four of them could, could play for Alabama. Not saying that the other 18 are bad, but compared to Alabama on paper, there's a reason Alabama was favored by 20 points on the road. That means like with that – I mean, they usually – what, they said they give you a touchdown in the gambling world. So if Alabama's at home, you're favored by 26, 27 in this game that that's that's a ridiculous number and uh so you're not saying that they have inferior talent in general but yes compared to alabama it is inferior to what alabama puts on the field um but uh you know another thing like you were talking about with the one versus three on the screens that's a product i think of not getting the ball off it's i mean how many times landon did some homework for us going back to him and and he said on like 80 percent of our snaps that weren't in uh, the two minute. We snapped the ball under five seconds on the play clock. Guys, the defense knows that. They can see up there. They can see that, hey, it's five, it's five seconds. So whenever he claps his hands, I'm gone. And, you know, you're killing your offensive line whenever you do that. Um, if you, if you, like, whenever Sark calls a play, there was hardly any checking, if you noticed that, whether, he, whenever he was at Alabama and at Texas, I mean, you run the play because he knows what you're going to do defensively, um, and you're not going to change anything. And he's going to run the play. He's going to snap it with 12, 11 seconds on the play clock, and he's going to get the play in quick. That way, in case he does see something, he can check to something. But this whole thing, Lester, was snapping the ball under five seconds Talk about what that does, like to to your quarterback, to your offensive line, your receivers. Talk about just the disadvantage that that puts you in as an offensive player. Well, first of all, um, as your quarterback, you're you're under pressure. You're already on the road. It's loud. You can't see straight. You can't think straight. And you look up, and that clock is ticking. You know, five four. And it's like, oh shoot! Like, have I called out my mic to my center? Has my offensive line had time to? make their checks and do what they're supposed to do? Or have I had a chance to, you know, maybe scan the defense, maybe communicate with a wide receiver, pick up a hot route or anything like that. All of that goes out the window when you're standing there with your thumb up the butt looking for the play call. Like you can't do any of those things. Like we get frustrated with, you know, Blitz is coming in and Gibbs maybe not picking up a blitz or a tight end maybe not picking up a you know, a rushing back or something like that. Well, shoot, man, they can't do it if they literally don't have time to do it. And I don't, I don't, I don't, like, that's a simple explanation for why these things are happening. It's because, like, what's the chain of command here? Why is it taking so long to get the play in? It, it, it makes no sense. I think Bill B needs to get his butt down on the sideline and um, be better. It, I mean, what, 40 <laughs> seconds? Like, for it, like, you have, you have 40 seconds from when the play ends till, you know, on the, on the play clock, right? Yeah. Hell, the way Alabama was playing Saturday, where you're only getting one or two yards per game, hell, you ain't got to run far to get back to the line of damn scrimmage. Why is it taking 35 seconds for them to get set to run the play? It makes no sense. And it's, it's hard to explain. Like, you can't do any of the thousand pre-rechecks or whatever. I'm sure Saban and BLB wants them to do. 
and you can't you just don't have time to get to relay all that information in and, and uh you know there's nothing to oh, one last thing you're allowing the defense to control what you do instead of vice versa like Alabama on offense, they are not in control. At that point, when you scramble like that, the defense is, is in control and it should never be that way. Yeah. And you know, another thing that goes along with that is is I'm not saying you have to run a play every 15 seconds, but some tempo is good. Like you're you're allowing the defense 35 seconds of rest in between those plays. And naturally, you know. You have to do you have to exert a lot more energy on defense than you do offense. Um, and so, you know, one thing I loved about Gus Malzon's offense whenever he was at Auburn, now UCF, if they get a if they get eight or nine yards on first down, they are busting it to the line and they're gonna run a straight dive every play. And you know that, but the problem is as a defender. You just had to bust your ass for eight or nine straight seconds, and then you've only got eight or nine seconds of rest, and they're coming right back at you because they're only trying to get a yard or two. Like, I loved that, and it seems like even when we have success on first down and we get seven, eight yards, we still take another 35 seconds. You're allowing that defense to to regroup and get the right personnel in the game instead of, Let's see how many plays we can run. I'm not saying you have to be like Tennessee and try to run a play every 10, 15 seconds and try to run 80, 90 plays a game. But some tempo has to occur. You cannot continue to to have 80% of your snaps come with under five seconds on the play clock. That right there is ridiculous. It's such a disadvantage to you, um, whether you're at home and or on the road. Because, I mean – especially being Alabama fans, you see what teams have done to us as far as tempo. I mean, you know, look at Clemson in 2016 at all the plays they ran. And, you know, I'm not saying you have to go lightning fast, but you have to have a little tempo in certain situations. But Lester, is that a thing to where maybe that's going back to Saban on the road that he doesn't want to, you know, try to rush and get a penalty? Yes. Saban is so – afraid of running a lot of plays by God, if his defense can't rest for a freaking hour, it's a damn problem. He is so afraid of the offense running tempo, scoring fast and his precious defense is going to give up 20 fucking points a game. Anyway, being tired, like, dude, it don't matter. It is 2022. You are going to give up points. Like it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Tennessee's probably going to run, run up 30 on us. Like, it's going to happen. You're, you cannot predicate your offense based on your defense getting rest. You just can't do that. But he is so afraid. I think Clemson um, really, really, like, broke him mentally. Like, oh, shoot, like, my offense, no. We can't – no, 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 no. Don't score too fast. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't score. No, 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 no. Let's run. Let's try to be as efficient as possible, score, but not run so many plays. And that is going to kill Alabama because, you know, as much as he hates it, you know, as much as we we probably all hate it a little bit deep down inside, but when it gets down to it, sometimes college football has to be a track meet. I'm not saying you go full out, you know, Big 12 and have a, you know, 
70 to 65 ball game by any means. No, but you know, you have got to do things to help out your offense and your defense. And do you know what helps out your defense a lot? Running tempo, getting up big. And you know what? Letting those guys on your defense freaking eat, go after the quarterback. Once you're up, you know, 14, 17 points. Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, go get the guy. Your corners, play off a little bit, keep everything in front of you, and let your guys up front eat. That's what you got to do. But he is so afraid of running a whole lot of plays and letting the other team's offense get the ball back quick. And it it, it, it blows my mind. Yeah, and then, you know, he'll, he'll get in his interviews and he'll talk about how he wants to score a lot of points and he wants to, to run plays and stuff like that. And it's just – it's obviously not true. You can tell by the hire of Bill O'Brien. Uh, you know, I talked about earlier, right? This it's set him back a decade. This offense has, and yep. you know, we were talking about it's it's almost hard to limit an offense with this much talent because we like it or not, Jermaine Burton's a talented cat. Kobe Prentice, talented dude. Um, you know, Treshawn Holden, I think, has talent. Corey Brooks. Hella talented. Jameer Gibbs, freak. Jace, freak. Uh, and, you know, of course, Bryce Young. And so it's almost hard to limit this offense. But, damn, he does a great job of it, especially when, when he gets outside of his comfort zone in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, J-Law, offensive line-wise, uh, I spoke my piece about Kendall Randolph and Javion Cohen. Um I'm going to try to not bring that up again because it does get me fired up. Um, it's okay to disagree with Nick Saban, but on that issue, it's probably one of the biggest problems I've ever had with him. Uh, but Darian Dalcourt, another terrible performance on the road. Um, you know, everybody saw when Seth McLaughlin came in in the second half of the Auburn game, the communication was a lot better uh, up front and with Bryce. And so do you think maybe a change needs to be made there? And I'm not, you know, Steen didn't have his best day. I think Latham did a little bit better than Steen did. I think Emil Ikior played piss poor in this game. I think probably Cohen, when he came in, did the best job out of the five. But, man, Dalcourt let the dude slide off of him whenever uh, – Whenever, you know, Bryce got taken down in the end zone on the incomplete pass, that was so controversial. Um, there was multiple times where Dalcourt couldn't get his man pinned on, on, a, on a zone run play. He couldn't get a push in the middle whenever he, whenever those plays were called. So is, is there maybe a change that needs to be made at center, at least on the road? I, I was going into fall camp. I thought Seth would have been the guy, but I would give Dalcourt a pass on the one in the end zone. Man, it looked like. Randolph got beat so bad that Dalcourt just being the center felt like he needed to shift a little to the left and try to chip that guy because he was on a free rush to Bryce before that. But other than that, I didn't. I thought Dalcourt had the worst day, probably of anybody that I expected to be good. I did not expect Kendall Randolph to be good. Don't expect him to be good. Don't expect to see him back as a starting offensive lineman. So um, I don't know, man. I thought Ekior the first quarter was a struggle for him. He didn't get to play a lot last week, missed a lot of the first week of practice. You know, I think – so, it's just tough to tell. But going – I mean, like, but where do you turn? Or where do you turn for offensive staff? Say your resolution is you let go of Bill O'Brien in this situation. Well, 
you don't there's no Sark analyst, there's no Kiffin analyst, there's none of there's no Mike Loxley analyst. You your analysts are pro style Zach Mettenberger. Okay. Jeez. I bet what's he want to line up in the odd hand at all 65 times a game because that's all he did for four years. Derek Dooley, who um, you know, to me, guy, off yeah, off brand Butch Jones. And Butch Jones was off brand when he was at Tennessee. So it's like who? What are you going to do with him? Also, Cornelius Williams uh, is one of our um, analysts, which I just saw on Alabama's website. So, um, I think the proud father of one of Brian Harson's grandchildren, maybe. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, I just noticed that it's pretty neat. But so there is no there is no mastermind analyst on this staff. We didn't bring in a a failed Josh Heupel or somebody a big name like that uh, in the off season. So, like, what do you do? Holman Wiggins to, has not proven anything to me that he is a great coach, probably a good coach. Um, you could probably rank him as the, in my mind, he's automatically the third best wide receivers coach that we've had. Napier one, uh, Josh Gaddis two. I mean, I mean, just kind of trying to, and that's just the ones I could think of off the top of my head. So there's really nowhere to go. Um, Maybe Joe Cox, you like him, never called plays. Wolford never called any plays. So it's like, uh, what do you do? Like, you're I not mean, running. Bill well, O'Brien's here to stay. He's not going to fire Bill O'Brien midseason. I mean, I don't – I don't – my problem is, in that regard, is Saban, you're the head man. And I told you I told you guys this over text earlier today or maybe yesterday. He, he publicly chewed Kiffin's ass nonstop, embarrassed him on national television. And maybe that's because Kevin was a cocky some bitch and he needed that. Um, but BS. Know, what Lester, which was BS by the way, because Kevin was right. A lot of times I feel like, well, sure. But I think it was, you know, late in the game, a couple of times, Kevin was still throwing. And of course, you know, Saban wants to run the ball. He doesn't want to embarrass anybody. Uh, so majority of those came from that, but you know, he gets in front of the media and said, you know, those are no arguments. Those are ass chewings. you know, he's flaunting it. And uh, you know, Bill O'Brien's hidden up in the booth. He's got that dumbass look on his face with his little butt chin and, you know, his glasses on his double chin, all that stupid ass picture that went, went around Twitter and uh, I just don't think that Saban does a good job of holding Bill O'Brien accountable. You can't get in front of the media and say that you want to score points and that you want to go no huddle and have some tempo and you want to score 45, 50 points a game and, and continue to allow this to happen because Bill O'Brien has shown you, dude, he's got plays that work. Look at the fourth quarter against Texas. Whenever he did spread it out, just like I mentioned earlier, it was successful. It was a well-run offense. It was a well-oiled machine. It, it, it might have been – I mean, it was dinked here, dunk there, little out route, and then boom, like little quick post over the middle for 20 yards. Dink, dunk, boom, another quick post to, to Holden or Brooks. It's there. Like, it's in the playbook. It's not like that he's just never heard of a five-wide set or a, a four-wide set with the running back. It's just the fact that he doesn't run it until he absolutely has to late in the game when we had to have a score to win. So to me, it's just as much on Saban as it is Bill O'Brien. Why is Saban not holding him accountable just like he did Kiffin? And he might be getting in his ass. I don't know. I wouldn't think so. 
because nothing's changed in two years. And that's what's so frustrating. And, you know, and these next two weeks, Alabama's going to kick the shit out of Lamo. You're going to kick the shit out of Vandy. You're going to win. Those two games combined might be 100 to 13. And everybody's going to be back on the Bama bandwagon. Not me. Not until until you go on the road to Fayetteville and beat them by – I'm not asking for a 40-point win, dude. I mean, beat them 35 to 21. That'd be fine with me. Show me that you can score on the road against a really good team and control the game. That's all I'm asking. Stop scratching and clawing on the road. And look, dude, I understand it's not easy. I mean, I've never played in front of 100,000. None of us have. We never will. I can't imagine. I talked to DJ Fluker a lot in college, Demarcus Milner, Derrick Henry, OJ Howard. They talk about road games and how you literally cannot hear the person next to you. You can't hear yourself think. So, but thing is, this isn't new. Saban's not a first year head coach. And if you're if you're the highest paid coach in football, you've done this for 40 years. Why can't you figure it out? And why can't you put of your your foot on somebody's throat from the get go, and and just and just pummel them into the ground, and that might not mean running the ball every time. You can pummel somebody by by throwing and doing what you do using your athletes. It's just incredibly frustrating, um, to just just to watch. And these rants could go on all night. I think we've done what a solid forty minute rant on Bill O'Brien. It's actually a little shorter than I thought. Um, is there anything else you want to get off your chest? Cause we're about to go to the defensive side of the ball, which is plenty of mistakes. And both of y'all just unmuted. Oh boy. All right. Y'all decided who's going first. And I I'm, I'm done with them until, until like, like I said, you know, just like Lester said, you got to show me, I said that last week, you got to show me until you go to Arkansas. I'm not putting any stock in what he does at home. The next two games, Alabama's going to kick ass. I already we we know that I'm not putting any stock in what we run offensively until I see it run on the road and see it executed to perfection. All right, Jill. All right, I'll take it. All right. So the most frustrating thing about this Bill O'Brien situation, and I told y'all about this when we were texting earlier. Do y'all realize everybody listens to this podcast? Do you realize? And this should just piss you off to no end. Do you realize? Any other coach in America would take a hot, steaming dump on college football with this same roster. Any other coach, pick whoever you want. Mike Leach, freaking the high school, the, the guy Demopolis High School, I don't even know who he is. Anybody with Bryce Young, Will and this exact roster will win any other game by 40. Lester. Did you see San Jose State and what they were running against Auburn? I'm sure it was something cool. Something oh, fun. they went for the throat. They were yeah. throwing it every down, attacking corners, throwing it deep, back shoulders, getting flags. That's yep. how you almost upset somebody. Yes. On the road, letting it eat. Yes. There's, there's, there's no reason why Alabama shouldn't be doing the same exact thing with infinitely with an infinitely better roster than San Jose State. Like, the happiest person in America Saturday was Nick Saban. He's got some ass to chew. 
He won a close game. All his spoiled ass Alabama fans had their butt sensed up for three hours. He was the happiest man in America, I promise you. And that's horseshit. I don't care. I tell him if he was here right now. Like, dude, why are you making it hard on yourself? Why? Why? Like I said, I'm gonna say it. Any other coach, any other non-defensive coach, well, hell, Kirby would score 50 and have a damn look. All right. Any other coach in America would run rough shot over college football with this roster right here, right now. Wouldn't even be close. And that's it. I'm I'm done with it because it just pisses me off. Yeah, they're saying B.O.B. is the worst offensive coordinator in the country. Yes. Looks like it. Yeah. Based on performance. Yes. Based on performance. Yes. Easily. I mean, like Todd Todd Munkin's got Stetson Bennett, no wide receivers, two two good tight ends. Dude, they're up. They're they're scoring fifty. They're 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 going to score at will this year. And out and Bill O'Brien has Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs, Jace McQuillan, Burton, Brooks, Holden, Cam Law too, who is a top four tight end in the SEC. I mean, like, dude, that that's loaded. I mean, okay, give me top five tight ends in the SEC, which but his job is much easier because he has receivers that, that that other teams have to cover. It's awful. Do y'all remember when we hired when we lost Sark and everybody said, "Man, this is this is not Sark's offense. This is Alabama's offense now. This is what Alabama does, starting from Kiffin to Dable to Loxley to was Enos our OC for like six days before we went to know. Miami. But you know why we say that is because that's what we heard our head coach say. Correct. This is Alabama. This is a process. This is what we do. It was a lie. Because it's not what we're doing. It's not even close. It is not close. Like, we watched what we used to do. It happened to us for a quarter and a half until we hurt their quarterback. And then, by God, if we didn't hurt their second one, we still would have lost the game. That guy couldn't run. And um, so, like, we watched exactly what we used to do for seven years in a row, did it directly at us, all gas, no breaks. Sark started that phrase at Alabama, and he put it on us. And, you know, our defense, I think, play a little better than we sometimes we want to think, given the circumstances. Will Anderson had four penalties that I think all ended up leading to a first down. Like One, you know, a pass interference, a couple face masks, like very uncharacteristic Alabama-type stuff, which I think actually accounted for two directly to two field goals for – Texas so I mean you can say they might have had 13 10 to 13 points as opposed to 19 but it, it, that that's just that is what we used to do is what we watched Sarkeesian do to us and this is the new Alabama football which is going to be constantly struggling because we refuse to do anything to put a game away early our first drive we go down we pipe a 52 yarder have momentum come back 80 nine no 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 was it yeah it was 80 80 81 81 yard touchdown run from jace and left everyone in the dust and then we did nothing for 40 minutes so it's bad it's got to change i don't know what the answer is because they're not going to fire him the answer is go five wide and let bryce sling it i guess um but other than that like it to me it's the the, it's the preparation for the game you're going to do what you prep for especially for the first half you're gonna have your script then you're going to settle in. And so for Alabama, if the preparation doesn't get better, if they don't start doing things during the week that is going to take advantage of a piss-poor defense like Texas has, guys, listen, they're going to give up in the Big 12. 
they're going to be giving up 30 points a game. That's just how they play over there. And you go in there, you can't you can't even muster to 21, three touchdowns. It's bad. I, I'm just not sure. And I, Arkansas probably beats us. I, I'm I would, if we play at Arkansas tomorrow, I'd pick Arkansas at um at whatever Razorback Stadium or whatever the hell their name is. I mean, it's just not going to be good right now. We got two weeks to fix it. Yeah, and, and you know, Jalen, let me go ahead and ask you this, and I'll ask Lester too. Um, as of now, you know, and and hopefully the Arkansas game changes this. It's my last hope, like for for us winning a game on the road. Uh, as of now, you know, two days after your performance at DK or Memorial Stadium, on the road in Arkansas, in Knoxville, in Oxford, with the way those three teams are playing, uh, I think I still think you handle Miss State. I just don't think that offense, it plays right into the hands. You can't be one-dimensional. And I know Leach has a little bit more balance this year. I uh, watched the game against Arizona on Saturday night, and I think they ran for like 130, 140 yards, which to a regular team might as well be 300 um, with that air raid system. So I think he is trying to balance it out a little bit more. But that game doesn't scare me because, like you were talking about, that atmosphere, you know, you've got 55,000, 60,000. I know the cowbells are annoying, but it's just not the same impact as a 80, 90, 100,000-seat stadium has on you. Um, but right now, those three games, what's Alabama's record? Not necessarily playing not, – not, not saying that if they play like they did Saturday because I think you can make an argument you're 0-3. I don't think you beat any of those teams. If you go in there yeah. and have 15 penalties, talking about watch that just offensively, if they had the same type of performance, what is their record in those three games? I still like Alabama's talent. I'd probably say two and one. Okay. Uh, losing in Knoxville? Yeah, probably losing in Knoxville, which is a thing. Please, no. I mean, listen, Saban is very much at risk at losing a two 15-game winning streaks. Never lost to Arkansas at Alabama. Never lost to Tennessee at Alabama. Both of those are up in the air right now. And I, I, I asked you guys before the year if Saban could retire right now with his six natties in Tuscaloosa. Never lost to Tennessee. Never lost to Arkansas. Has not lost to Mississippi State since his first year here. I mean, he's got a 14-game win streak over those guys. At one point had a – was it a 10-game win streak over LSU? Was it, how, how would it get from – 2011 in the Natty to 2020, 2019. So that was nine games, nine games in yeah. a row with LSU. I mean, like the dominance there, and you could go out flat in these last couple of years and hit the reset button with losses to Arkansas, a team that you're clearly better than, but they have an offensive coordinator who's going to freaking put it in Pete's ass again. And uh, are you going to be able to keep up on the road? Not going to have the home crowd behind you? And there's no telling what Josh Heupel's capable of doing that he's saving for us because you already know he's going to test and test and test Kool-Aid and Kyrie and whoever else is playing corner because we haven't proven we can cover anyone so um uh, it doesn't feel great I still say two and one probably Tennessee but not would not be surprised if we found a way to lose to Arkansas would not be surprised if we found a way to lose to Tennessee and and quite frankly if Kiffin comes out and jumps up on you 24 to to seven through four possessions do you win that game? I mean, like, it's it's not looking good because the offense is not built and the, the scheme and the plan going into all of our road games is not built to play from a two-possession deficit, just not. Yeah, I think as of now, I think you lose at Arkansas easily because you go into there and you're, you're not going to hold Arkansas. I mean, they hung 35 on you in your own stadium last year. 
And I know you don't have Traylon Burks, but I mean, they got a running back that's, that's playing his ass off. You still got KJ Jefferson, who's who's doing a better job of running the ball this year, uh, design runs and scrambles, uh, and he can still throw it um, uh, just fine. <laughs> and uh, I think right now Arkansas is probably the second best team in the West. Um, and then you get you have to play on the road in that game. I think if you have if you going in if you score under twenty, I think you lose. Um, and then Tennessee, I think if you don't score. 28 in that game, I think you lose. And so if you get this type of repeat performance from your offense, um, and that's just because Ole Miss defense is, is just so bad still. And they're not as bad as they've been in the past, but it's still not good by any standard. Um, so I get Bama a win in, in, in that game. But Lester, what do you think right now in those two games or those three games? If, you know, if the offense gives a repeat performance of what they did and having those lulls where they don't score for 30, 40 minutes in the game, uh, you, you know, what, what would be the outcome of those three games on the road coming up for Bama? I think I'll, I'll say probably one and two. I think with losses to Ole Miss and Tennessee for sure. Because, I mean, we've been saying Tennessee's coming, Heupel's good. Kiffin, all it takes is just a little spark, just a little bit of, you know, a little bit of the ball going his way, you know, maybe a turnover here or anything happening, he will put his foot on your throat and not let up. That is the killer instinct that every other coach in America has but us. And quite frankly, that realization stuck. Defensively, um, let's start with the penalties. Will Anderson got completely taken out of the game. Um, Jay Law, four penalties. Thing we had what 35 40 yards and penalties by himself. Alabama has 15 penalties for 100 yards. Uh, I think they had two or three of them declined, also. Um, Kool Aid played like a trash can, uh, absolutely terrible technique. Uh, on the, on the ball on every pass thrown at him. Um, he's going to lock arms. He's going to hold. Who the hell's teaching that? And if you're Nick Saban or Pete Golding, do you sit Will for at least a couple of plays in that game just to get him out of his own head? I mean, you, you know, everybody talks about how how good Chris Braswell is, and of course, you know, you're going to have a drop off. But when you've got a guy that's con- consistently making the same mistakes, buddy, if you get an offsides penalty called on you. Guess who they're looking at the next time? You. Back the hell up. There's no excuses for you to have two or three offsides penalties. If you see a guy on the ground, don't take four steps and go hit him. Because it's not like Will was backpedaling and, like, the ball went over his fingertips and then he turned around to try to make a play and, like, tripped over the guy and hit him and he didn't really see him. Dude, he saw the guy. You can't tell me that he didn't. He saw that dude, ran three or four steps, and went and hit him. I'd have yanked his ass up right there. Sat his ass on the bench. I don't care how good you think you are. You're hurting your team. Um, that was a that was a third down play. There was another. Uh, he was all sides on like a third and three uh, on the first drive of the game. Uh, we got a Jalen Moody got a stop in the backfield. They would have had to punt that ball. So you take away their points there. Um, so, yeah, a lot of his penalties himself led to points. J-Law, talk about Kool-Aid and Will and just how bad they were in this game. Yeah, you know, Kool-Aid got one called on him 
that shouldn't have been, but the first one should have been. So their first drive where they kicked the field goal. Cool. Well, here's the thing. Whenever you, whenever you, uh, whenever you get one thrown on you, you know, whenever you got the bat to bat right before the half, you got to know yeah. that they're looking for it. And that's what I'm saying. Are they not told this? Or do you, do you not have the football IQ to know that that's what they're looking for? So if you even touch the guy, obviously they're flag happy. I'm not saying that they weren't valid penalties. I think they were. You can't grab the guy's freaking arms. Like it's a, it's an offensive game now. Like they they're making rules for the offenses to score points. Whether it's lining downfield or you know hitting the quarterback, targeting all this stuff. It's hard to play defense nowadays. Um, and so it's very hard to cover. So if you if you are locking arms with the guy, you're going to get flagged every single time. And whenever you do it once, you can't touch the guy on that second one. Yeah, and the Kool-Aid didn't learn. And, you know, on the other side, um, nothing good happened until Terry on Arnold came in, who I said, you can't go into the Texas game playing Terry on Arnold because he's going to freaking get picked on. And, my God, does Sark not just say, I know Kyrie Jackson is the worst of the two between him and Kool-Aid. And if he's, if he's worse than Kool-Aid, my God, he's got to suck. And he went after him and went after him and went after him. And if Quinn Rivers doesn't get hurt, he keeps going after him and keeps going after him. So the corners are, are bad. I really think T-Rob is making up for a year-long just abysmal coaching from Jay Valet, Valai, who's now at – wherever he went. Couldn't tell you. Texas? I don't know. I don't know he maybe played at Texas, but he's gone. Um, so, yeah, I just think that that's an issue. But Will, man, he's – it's hard – it's hard to get mad at a guy who has been so good, but it also is just really head scratching to see somebody who has probably never, like, never made a mistake at Alabama. I mean, you look at this guy, this guy has been a stud, and he is almost seriously, he is the reason why Texas got had six more points on the scoreboard. They should have had 13. He's the reason they had 19. Just a few boneheaded mistakes. Jalen Moody shoots the gap, blows up a play on a speed sweep on a third and three. Nobody touches him electric crowd shuts down look at the sideline flag down i mean those are the types of plays that, that in 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 that environment like you can't leave your defense on the field dude we're not used to it's well i woke up saturday morning it was 71 degrees at at, a, at kickoff in alabama partly cloudy those guys you can't they're not used to that you can't leave your defense and make mistakes that leaves your defense on the field where it's 96 outside and you're playing on turf. So it's probably – I think they showed on TV it was like 126 degrees on the turf. You can't make those types of mistakes. So, But overall, defensively, my goodness, we knew that Pete was going to struggle in this game because Sark is the guy. He is the guy. He will score as many points as he wants to in the Big 12 if Quinn Ubers didn't get hurt. So, I mean, he was getting abused, attacked. This left and right out of position had no plan for Sark, which I think is excusable for Pete Golding because we know that he's not a great coach, but he's also playing a better coach. Bill O'Brien wasn't playing against a better defensive coach. They're supposed to be. He's playing with a team full of athletes with th that should not be able to be stopped, and he found a way. I wasn't disappointed in Pete. wasn't disappointed in the defense because they still found a way to only give up one touchdown on the road at Texas in an offense that is really it's almost whoever's at quarterback. We watched Mac Jones come in for two and almost play none in 2019 outside of the start against 
was that Arkansas or Tennessee? Yeah, until it was hurt. Yeah. In on the road at Jordan Hare and put up the some of the best numbers we've seen in Iron Bowl history outside of the two pick sixes that lost us the game. But you know, I mean that that's what you expect from guys in Sark's offense. So to only give up 19, I think it's okay. Um, but the, there's just a couple of guys that you think would be bona fide studs by now in Kyrie, who was the number one JUCO player two years ago coming out of junior college, and Kool-Aid McKinstry, who is a consensus five-star on every recruiting service at corner. It isn't like he's a converted athlete to corner. Played corner in high school. That's what he, the guy did. And he's not any good. So got some work to do. Don't know how you fix that right now because those are a couple of the best guys you got unless Arnold can really step up. But uh, Will Anderson, that won't happen to him again. Uh, or, and it also might worry me that we got no sacks from our outside linebacker. Well, we got one. And uh, we do have a new outside linebackers coach and Coleman Hutzler on a South Sincere still on staff. So, I mean, if you see a drop-off at that position, you might be able to point at, you know, new guy, special teams coach, offensive uh, outside linebackers coach, and see, like, what's going on? Yeah, and it is a little disappointing in Dallas uh, because, you know, there's so much attention on on Will. Uh, I, it's very rare that he got any one-on-one opportunities on a play where the ball wasn't supposed to come out under, in under two seconds. Um, uh, it's maybe three or four snaps where Will got that opportunity. Um, but Dallas, Dallas had more, not saying that he had a ton, but he had more and he couldn't get the quarterback, but maybe a couple of times. So that's a little frustrating um, in his performance. Lester, you're going to have guys that have bad games. That's just football. That's sports in general. Like, Steph Curry, best three-point shooter of all time. There's nights where he goes three for 13 from beyond the arc. You know, it's it happens to everybody. It doesn't matter how good you are. But what you cannot have happen is you go on the road and you can't have Will Anderson has a bad game, DJ Dill, Henry T, Kool-Aid, Kyrie Jackson, I don't think battle played great. He got his ass run slapped the hell over by B. John Robinson one time. Um, could have been about a one-yard gain and it turned into a seven-yard gain. So I guess, you know, like J-Law said, you do give up one touchdown. Granted, you're playing a, a gimpy backup quarterback, so I think that really helps you out. But your true character shows up whenever you face adversity. And that's what Will Anderson faced. I'm not saying that, you know, he's a he's a punk or a thug or anything like that, because that's not the case. But he was not able to keep his composure. He seems like he is one of the most focused, driven guys. And for him to lose his focus and lose his cool and just make bonehead plays repeatedly, you know, he missed tackles in the backfield. He missed shoestring, shoestring sacks that he usually converts on. What was the deal with the defense as a whole? Not just with Will and Kool-Aid, but, you know, like I said, Dale, it's year number four, and he's still getting his ass blown off the ball. You know, I know Otis can't go out there with his big ass and play 70 plays, but Tim Smith has got to make – you know, I think Byron Young played his ass off. I think Byron Young played tremendous in the interior defensive line. Tim Smith's got to get more opportunities – DJ Dale's got to get less. I don't care that he's a senior. I don't care that he's on the leadership committee. Um, the dude is continually playing in the linebacker's face. Um, but a lot of people had bad games 
and you still give up under 20 points. Yeah. I don't know. When you look at it that way, yeah, give up under 20 points. Clearly, the defense did what they were supposed to do. Of course, they had Ewers get hurt, whatever. Card got hurt. But, you know, the penalties are really, really, really uncharacteristic, especially from the, the leader of the defense with no knuckleheads on the team, quote, unquote. Um, but I don't know, guys. They were probably pissed they were in the game because BLB won't score any damn points. That's what I would think. I mean, shit, why are you still hanging around, playing around in a tight game with Texas? Bryce should have been hung 40 on their asses. They were probably just pissed off and they're still having to play legit defense instead of blitzing and going after folks. J-Law, good stuff that happened. Been a lot of negativity in this podcast tonight, which is expected. Why not? And, guys, let me tell you this. I probably should have stated this earlier. Um because a lot of our optimist, optimistic fans have already cut this off by now, which is fine. Um, but we are like this. And this is something that I've been trying to get through to my father, who, you know, we were able to go to Austin. We were at the game, and I was pissed off all day Saturday. And he just kept saying, you know, we did win the game. We did win the game. I said, that's not the point. I said, the point is my head coach of my favorite team in the world – has told me since day one to demand perfection. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. He said that in his opening press conference when he was hired. So why in the hell am I supposed to expect anything less? When this has been in, like, just look, having four, three out of four games last year, it's having one out of one games this year where you laid eggs offensively on the road. This game Saturday, was not an outlier it's a trend and that's the problem i have a problem with what's going to happen in the future because if it hasn't changed in in four of the five road games you played what what gives you any implication that it's going to change come three weeks when you have to go to Fayetteville? and you know like i said the offense will be wide open at home it usually is you know lsu struggled last year but bryce had a new passing record against arkansas last year at home um you know, that there were some there were some really good games. So even you know, Ole Miss, you scored what 45 points on them. Uh I think the offense is great at home outside of the LSU game. But my head coach has told me that I'm supposed to that he's supposed he demands perfection. And you gotta make the right choices, do this and this and this, and all this stuff that he said over the last 15 years of my life. Um, uh, I you know, I was 15 years old whenever this dude got to got to the university. So I've heard this same speech and this same stuff for a decade and a half, and I'm just supposed to sit back here and be okay with this performance? I understand I won the game. I understand they won the game, and that's great. But I know more is coming, and that's the reason that I'm so upset about this. I don't know if it's if y'all are feeling the same way, but my head coach tell, tells me, that I'm not supposed to be okay with this performance. I'm not supposed to, to accept um, a lack of execution. I'm not supposed to accept lack of discipline. I'm not supposed to accept these things. I'm supposed to demand perfection, demand perfect execution, because that's what he does. So why am I not allowed to think the same way? And that's why 
we're kind of venting and ranting tonight about the offense and stuff because, you know, enough is enough. We've seen it too many times. If this is the first time this had happened, if B.O.B. went on the road and averaged um, 36, 37 points a game, um, I, I don't think we're having the same conversation if he had – because this would be an outlier in that case. But this is a trend now. You take away Mississippi State last year when he hung 49 the week after you lost to A&M, Bill O'Brien is averaging under 29 points per game on the road. That's an average. Um, in 2022, that's not a lot. Whenever you have the caliber of offense that Al- that he's had while he's coached at Alabama in those games. So that's why I'm so upset tonight. That's why I'm ranting. That's why I'm venting because I'm taking on the personality of my head coach. And, you know, he can sit here and say to the media that it's okay. You know, we got to fix this. We got to fix it. Then do it. You're paid over $9 million. Fix it. Have Will Anderson out there rolling until he throws up. Run stadium stairs until he passes out. Like, I understand that with this new generation of kids, I coach young kids. I'm I'm around them all the time. They're soft. I tell them they're soft. And they're going to listen to this. A lot of them, they are soft. You know, I'm not saying that they're soft as baby shit, but, like, they're softer than we were growing up. And that's just a new generation. It is what it is. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's just the way it is. Nick Saban has said that. He said you can't coach the same way today as you did 20 years ago. And that's true. But at some point, you're going to have to get on somebody's ass. And, you know, it being the leader of the team, if it had happened to Will Anderson or Kool-Aid, some, you know, somebody that's played a lot of snaps, that also get the attention of the other players. But anyway, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to let that be my last rant of the night, guys. J Law, try to name the good things in this game because you did win. Will Reichard, huge balls. I mean, just ice in his freaking veins. Nailing a you know three field goals, only two of them counted. But he went ahead and drilled that when he starts clapping his hands. I told Paige, I said, "This is ice." This is ice. Now I didn't get my, I didn't get too excited because you still had ten seconds left with Sarkeesian and one timeout. I'm uh, never comfortable in that situation. But name some good things that you saw in this game. Jacory Brooks, again, the guy. Game on the line. Throw it to seven. He's <laughs> he's open. He ain't gonna drop it. I mean. There's the go-to, he's your go-to in clutch situations. Needs to be on the field. He clearly shows that in crunch time, he can do what he's asked to do. And we don't know about the other amount of time because he hasn't been on the field. It just doesn't make any sense. I know he missed a lot of camp, missed a lot of practice, got started behind the eight ball in fall camp, dropped some balls in fall camp. But, dude, come on, give put this guy on the field. He should be one of your starting three. He is better than Treshawn Holden. He is a five-star athlete. Put him on the field. Javion Cohen came in the game. No pressure on Bryce Young, really, after that. Um, Byron Young, to me, was our best player on defense for at least the most consistent player on defense throughout the game, him and Moody. thought Moody played phenomenal. Moody's better than Henry Tolotoa. And if Henry Tolotoa can't get up to the line of scrimmage, plug a hole, fill a gap, find your space, thump a running back, then let's let Deontay Lawson do it. Because, I mean, what's what, you're the captain of this defense, dude, and you, like, you were nowhere on Saturday. I don't really remember him. Did he make a tackle? 
Well, I mean, he, I think he did the typical Henry T game where he had five or six tackles, but they're, you know, six, seven yards down the field. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you're chasing guys down off a big play. Um, Will Riker, obviously, give the guys credit. I read a thread, you know, isn't, isn't it great was the title. And then you got to click on it to read it if you know anything about message boards that you don't have to say, here we go again when our kicker takes the field. Drills it in the Iron Bowl, says, look, Mom, I did it. You know, comes out there against Texas, booms it through. Piped a 52-yarder on the first possession. That would have been good for 62. Give the guys credit. Overall, listen, it is time to panic because, like Chase said, this is not – this isn't the Florida game last year where you're like, man, the Swamp's tough plays. We've done this four other times on the road since then now. So you do have to hit the panic button a little bit. Um, but Alabama gets to win against the team that if Quinn Ewers, Ewers, whatever his name is, isn't hurt, is probably a top 12 team. And that's a hell of, a, of an environment on the road, 120 degrees on the turf. I get it. You just got to play better. Also, just sent you guys a screenshot of Xavier Worthy or whoever that was, like 19 yards behind our DBs on the second possession of the game. Just like, how does that even happen? That's the bad stuff. And that was one of those two-man routes that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just one of those, like, this is Pete Golding on the road is good for this twice a game. And when you're playing in an environment like that, you can't give up those. Luckily, on that one, the guy dropped it. It hit the ground. It popped out. But you can't – you just can't allow that stuff to happen. Listen, both of Alabama's coordinators are bad. You might have had worse than Pete Golding and Tosh Lupoy, and you might have actually had worse with um, Nussmeyer. But at the same time, the combo, this is the worst it's ever been. And I think it's at a bad time for it to be this way. So, um, you know, some good things did come out of this game. I think Randolph proved that he can't play, so you will not see him anymore. I think Ja'Cory Brooks proved that he can play, and you should see him a lot more. But other than that, um, I got to see something against Arkansas. Ten points on the road. Let let me be up ten with four minutes to go. Like, give me give me some comfort. That's all. I'm, that's a good team. When we go play yeah. Arkansas, that was my lock of the week last week. Minus eight. Give me, by the way, Arkansas, South Carolina. Give you my three real fast. Miami covers at A and M. Oklahoma minus eight. I don't care if it's in Lincoln. And then USC. Fresno State, they're barely a favorite. Oh, yeah. Take all three of those. Put the bank on them. They're all three going to hit. I think, uh, yeah, I completely forgot about our bet of the week, but actually I've already taken some. Um, good things. I thought late. I thought Latham played well. Um, of course, you know, Bryce, three drives in a row. Um, just, just tremendous job of finishing the game. He said he's comfortable in those situations, but I saw somebody tweeted – Bryce, I'm comfortable whenever we're up by 55, but I guess that's just me. <laughs> like, now, nah, buddy, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, defensively, I love Jalen Moody. He he plays – he's one of those that, like, he might make a mistake, but he's going to make the mistake going 100 miles an hour. He's not timid, and I love that. And uh, I thought Deontay Lawson played well whenever he came in um, to spell some guys late in the game whenever they were a little gassed. I uh, mentioned Byron Young earlier. I think he's had a great two first games of the season. I think he's actually been somewhat of a force. Um, did a really good job against the zone plays and the off-tackle plays against Texas and, and really pushing 
the offensive lineman back, you know, forcing the running back to detour where he's trying to get to, therefore leading to a tackle for loss or, you know, a gain of under two yards. Um, you know, who else? Jacory is a good one. I think Trayshawn played good late. I mean, he had three three catches in a row on one of those drives. Um, it's just – Got to see more. Got to play better. Eliminate the penalties. You know, even as bad as the offense played, I think if you eliminate the penalties and just the dumb penalties, you're going to have false starts on the road, right? That's going to happen. Um, you can't hear. Um, Bryce is trying to clap his hands as hard as he can. That's tough to hear. I get that. But lining up all sides, late hits, the stupid crap back block that Holden did whenever Bryce got the first first down of what seemed like an eternity – um, you know, you finally have a, a good play of plus 10 yards and you just decide to hit a guy for no reason. You know, that's illegal. This ain't the first year that rules been implemented, dude. It's like three or four year old rule. And, uh, it's just a dumb play like that. And, and I think if you just eliminate the penalties, you might snag you a couple more points here and there. And that game might end up being, uh, you know, 28 to, to, 13 or something like that then it looks okay you know you still don't cover but you won by two scores that's pretty good for for on the road um my bet of the week i'm gonna go app state minus 11 and a half over troy you got game day coming to boone north carolina um troy's offense is pretty mid um but uh yeah, I, I like App State minus eleven. Lester, what you got? Just give me your your final good, your final positive thing about the game. Lester please. went to work. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, Lester. Lester started a night shift. Um, dang, sorry about that, Lester. I talked a little bit too much. I'll do one for. Uh, I'll do one for Lester. How about that? I'll do. All right. All right. All right I do. Uh, I do my my uh my bet of the week. I'm going with a. Uh, I'm going USC minus 12 and a half. They good. They good. I'm telling you, yeah, I love USC. I love, love looking around. I love Kelly Williams. You know, point blank period. <laughs> That's my dog. <laughs> All right. Um, j final thoughts before we get out of here, man. What you got? Hey, got to be better. I think you're going to have to make it. I, if I, don't, I think if a change is not made, you don't win a natty. So, you know, you just decide what you want. You might, you might go all the way through the regular season 12 and 0. Maybe, but you're not going to beat Georgia this way. You're not going to beat Ohio State this way because in those games, you're going to have to score 30-plus points against good teams. And I don't think Bill O'Brien's built for that right now. So it, it either it's his change or his scheme changes and his game plan changes, but something's got to change. Well said. All right, yeah, roll tides, get back on track. I'm still not paying attention to the next two games offensively. Uh, catch me on October 1st. But um, – Episode 69, Gump Hunters Podcast, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We'll see you guys next week.